0: Wildcat Radio 2.0. Bear down, you beautiful people. What's up, everybody? This is Wildcat Radio 2.0. I'm Adam Green. He's Brett Berry, and Arizona is still a member of the Pac-12, so, I mean, there's that, Brett.
2: No news is no news?
0: Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> we, we've talked a couple different shows about what we think should happen, what we want to see happen, but the truth is, we really don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Though there's... Various levels of, you know, it's not just about sports, especially for the Pac-12 schools and the money. I guess ESPN's no longer with the Big Ten, so that could cause some movement otherwise. So, like, I I don't know. <laughs> like, I, I just want Arizona to not be left out of something good, and I don't want them to be put in a bad situation, but I don't know what the best place is for them, and I don't know. You know, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't. <laughs> Come to <laughs> I, Wildcat I think- Radio 2.0. Get something. <laughs>
2: I I think we've uh, run out of takes Adam. We've reached the end of takes because we just don't know and we I think I think most Arizona fans, most Pac-12 fans are reaching the slow conclusion that was inevitable that until something is announced we really don't know. Yeah. Um so and my my part of me thinks we might not know for uh another 6 plus months because uh, if nothing happens soon it's probably not happening for a while so maybe we can
0: just kind of put that on the back burner for a little while all but right, you never let, know yeah let's do that you know but we had to start off the show with something we are going to talk to Justin Spears in a little bit and get his take on what he's been seeing with Arizona football because training camp fall camp is more than a week old now Arizona the season opener is less than like it's like three weeks away this is crazy you know the San Diego State game Arizona you see all the reports some good some bad but Justin's been down there he's filed some of those reports so we're looking forward to talking with him but Brett I guess really quick then so we can save our football talk for Justin and then after you want to talk men's basketball? Sure, let's do it. <laughs> All right. As uh Joe Lenardi La- does, did his projections for bracketology for way too early, of course, for 2023. Has Arizona's a five seed? And yeah, I read that. I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> like, I could see that. It doesn't bother me. You know, Arizona was a one seed last year, and they were deserving one seed. But so much roster turnover. You know, they lost three starters to the NBA draft. Justin Kyers just or out of eligibility, and similar to how Arizona was going into last season where we didn't quite know what to make of them, but we thought they'd be pretty good, that's the same this year. So I don't mind them starting off. Like, last year they started off as an unranked team. People were like, yeah, they're not going to make the tournament, and they rose to a one seed. They won't catch people by surprise this next year because already it's like a five seed's not bad. But there's kind of still prove it that they have to work
2: through. Yeah, much like realignment, we have pulling stuff out of the file here in the first segment of no one really knows. But uh, And we don't want to make this enti- – I mean, we're going to have a lot of football to talk about. We yeah. just want to get something, no, but, you know. I mean, yeah, but, like, I mean – We lost both listeners already. <laughs> oh, no, tell your Bubby to come back. <laughs> um, no, I mean, it's not an unreasonable thing as an Arizona fan to see a five seed. I don't think if, – if you, if you told us today that we were going to be at a five seed going into the tournament, I think most Arizona fans would be, like, Oh, okay. Um, you know, I know like Gary Parish on his uh, top twenty-five and one. I think after after the re the reclass of Boswell moved Arizona up into like the mid-teens, which you know basically the consensus for this roster as constructed today, with bluntly a lot of unknowns in the European guys that maybe are where the upside comes from or the the health of a Kylan Boswell. Um, you know that it's kind of that mid-teen to late twenty or mid to late twenties kind of range, which I don't think preseason is should concern or excite necessarily. I feel like the roster is kind of like a Tommy Lloyd roster where we're going to, it's, he's got a few Euro guys that are not known quantities. We'll see what it looks like. We think there's a lot of depth. Let's start the drinking game early, oh, Adam.
0: Geez, yeah. Um,
2: you know, and so there's, there's a lot of upside, but you know, it's, I, I think this, this year's team and the, you know, based on the talent level, we think and hope is there and what the potential for development that is there. I think it's the number five seed is a reasonable thing. That's basically saying you're in the mid twenties, but by the end of the season, you know, you hope for a little bit more. I think it's unreasonable to hope to climb all the way to a one seed like it was this last year. But I think getting into
0: the top ten or fifteen over the course of the year is certainly within within reach. It does show a level of respect that Tommy Lloyd has earned. So not just it didn't happen by accident. He had to prove what he could do last season, and granted, like it goes in because no one looked at Ben Matherin as a lottery pick going into last season. No one saw Dalen Terry as a first round pick Kristen Coloco as a draft pick, right? Like that wasn't the case for Arizona last season, so there is this sense that Tommy Lloyd can take these players and make them more than was expected. We can make that. he can improve the talent on there. Like the players who are there, they can get better. They can play well in this system. When someone like Pella Larson, who I think the expectations, like we were talking after last year, like oh, that's a guy who we're looking forward to seeing. And there's a little bit more buzz coming around him, especially he had some of those uh, tournaments that he was in too. Um, so Dama ball, right? Like there's starting to be a few signs through the off season where these guys are still playing basketball, competitive basketball, and they're looking pretty good. So that's not to say Arizona's going to be a one seat again. Like to your point, it would be, It'd be ridiculous to have that as the expectation. Like No one should ever expect to be a one seed every season. This isn't football. Like This isn't Alabama, right? It's basketball. It's hard to play an entire season, stay healthy, win enough games to be a one seed. But there's every expectation that Arizona is going to be in the tournament and going to be a good basketball team. And if you're a good basketball team and you're in the tournament, as we know, anything can happen. So, you know, it's kind of fun that they don't go to the season with those Final Four or bust expectations. But at the same time, They have the look of a roster that if things go right or if players are as good as they could be, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with once again. So, you know, men's basketball, it's, you know, it's August. So we're still a little bit of ways away from them playing. (laughs) Of course, another basketball news, Adia Barnes was in the hospital. It sounds like she's out and doing okay. That is good to see because, you know, she's terrific and we want her healthy. And for, you you know, you never like to see your coaches in the hospital.
2: I'm sure she was treated by five-star doctors and nurses because she surrounds herself with five-star
0: talent at all times. Absolutely so. Best of luck, best of health to Adia Barnes. And, yeah, for men's basketball, they'll be fine. A five-seed, we'll take it right now on August 11th. Brett, I think we've stretched all that long enough. (laughs) I think so. (laughs) Let's take a break, and we come back. Justin Spears from the Arizona Daily Star, the Wildcaster, Spears and Ali, everything Arizona athletics down in Tucson. Justin Spears is your guy, and we're going to talk to him after the break. Welcome back. It's Wildcat Radio 2.0, and we are joined by Justin Spears. Justin, you know, down in Tucson, the Tucson Star, the Wildcaster, Spears and Ali. He is everywhere. If there's anything Arizona athletics, Justin is all over it. Justin, welcome back to Wildcat Radio 2.0.
1: Good to see you guys. How's yeah. it
0: going? It's going good for us here. We're, of course, excited. We're talking Arizona football. Camp is more than a week old now. Uh, fall camp The season is just a few weeks away. Uh, wow. Year two of the Jetfish era. I know we had you on, I think, last year before this season. Like, okay, how is this practice? You know, How is this team looking? How is Jetfish doing in his first year as a head coach? Well, this is year two. His system should be in place. He's got more of his players in place. Like, What are the differences that you're seeing this time around compared to camp a year ago?
1: Arizona can actually get off the bus and you look at them and go, wow, that's actually a power five football team. They actually have some dudes that look the part. And, you know, that's the, the one thing that I've taken away from practice so far is just the number of just big bodies that they have. And they actually have depth now where the last couple of years with the first year of the jet fish era, he inherits a roster where the cupboards are empty um, and then even, you know, in the Kevin Sumlin regime, there just wasn't really that depth. And you look at the, the, the Wildcats compared to some other teams, and yeah, there's a reason why they've only won one game in the last 25 games. Now that there's been a complete overhaul of talent, it's, it's very noticeable, but the guys that they have out there – you could just tell they just looked apart. I mean, even the the freshman defensive backs and Takario Davis and Ephesians Price oh, Size is great. Both of those guys are super tall. Like they they look like a couple of Dalen Terry's playing cornerback for the Arizona Wildcats. And Arizona hasn't had dudes like that in a while. Uh the wide receivers with with T-Mac being a very tall person and he's 18, 19 years old, but he's stepping in a position where he's gonna start right off the bat. Um, I mean, there's just – I can go on and on about all the guys who just looked apart. I mean, Keen Burnett, the tight end, is another one who just looks like a dude, and he's only just a puppy. So this year's Arizona team, they're going to win some games. Uh, I think they're going to win more than two and a half because that's where everyone's kind of putting them at right now. They're certainly going to win more than two and a half games. Now, am I going to say that, oh, the Wildcats are back, they're going to be going to a bowl game, I, I'm not going to go that far, but I, I do feel confident in this team putting together four wins. Where those wins are, I'm not sure because non-conference play is going to be a little tricky, but I, I like the Wildcats and the direction of the program so far.
2: So, so Justin, we have a running gag on this show that it's a drinking game every time I say depth, so you're clearly trying to get me drunk by mentioning depth like four <laughs> times in that answer. Um, no, I, I'm, I'm really curious. You, you, know, you said the roster composition just looks different. And I think the one one of the big aspects of that that I'd really love to get your early return impressions on is the new guys. You mentioned a lot of the freshmen, but what about some of the transfers that are probably going to be more heavily relied upon? You know, Jaden Delore is an obvious one, but also some of the other guys like Jacob Cowing, Hunter Eccles, and, and some others. What are you seeing out on the on the field so far in camp?
1: Hunter Eccles is an experienced defender. Uh, we're actually going to get a chance to to talk to him here in the next couple of days, and you know, he's a player who was just kind of okay at USC. Uh, you know, when you have, you know, guys like Drake Jackson in front of you and some other NFL players, it, it's really hard to shine. So Hunter Eccles now comes into a situation where he's a big fish now in a little pond and he gets the no pun intended, by the way. Um, and, and he looks like a stud on the, on the end uh, with Jalen Harris on the other side. Um and then you also have Jason Harris and some other guys coming off the edge. But Hunter Eccles, like I said, is a guy that was just okay at USC, had a very minimal role. Now he comes in as gonna be the dude at Arizona. And if you're if you have one year of eligibility left like Hunter Eccles, you need that year of film where you're on the field a lot. And Hunter Eccles is gonna play a lot of snaps and get that NFL draft stock up. Uh, but going to the other side of the ball on offense. Uh, Jacob Cowling is a, a stud at wide receiver, um, a kind of a late bloomer in high school, um, and college for that matter. Cause there's, there's a reason why he went to UTEP, uh, but he killed it at UTEP. And then after a couple seasons, there became one of the most highly touted transfers on the market. And he had offers from LSU from the who's who's of, of college football. And he chose the Arizona Wildcats, um, Now, I think that's really telling on the direction of the program because of Jet Fish, but I also find it interesting that he said the reason why he transferred was because he wanted to be closer to his family, mostly his two-year-old son, who is named Chase, after Chase Lucas, former ASU Sun Devil, which is so crazy that in the year 2022 – we're hearing Wildcats say, "Oh yeah, I name my son after an ASU Sun Devil, and not just any Sun Devil. A guy who is five and zero against the Wildcats, and is a part of that seventy to seven beatdown in two thousand twenty. Which I'm sorry, I had to bring that up for Arizona fans, but that also a, makes
0: a, us drink. By the way, it's, a,
1: it's oh, yeah. if we bring up the the the, the game, well, the just Territory <laughs> game. How do you not what do you <laughs> think of that game? How else do you get I, through it?
2: I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure Adam and I drank enough that night that we." have no recollection of the fourth quarter came No <laughs> that game
0: ended at halftime. Like, a, 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 lot,
1: a lot of over. people were in the same boat. But, you know, Jacob Cowling uh, killed it at UTEP and is now coming to Arizona, and he's going to slide into that Stanley Berryhill role, who's just kind of that do-it-all inside slot receiver. And I think he's going to be better than Stanley Berryhill. Uh, Stanley Berryhill was good on special teams as a gunner, but Jacob Cowling, when it's all said and done, I think is just a better pro prospect and there's a reason why he's on all these watch lists and is expected to be an all Pac 12 receivers. So I really like Jacob Cowling a lot. And then, you know, another transfer you just brought it up and Jaden Delora, the quarterback. I gotta say guys, I'm a little little concerned with yeah. with Jaden Delora. And I'm not concerned too much because he comes off as the ultimate gamer. Because when he was at Washington State, I mean, he was a stud. He was the Pac-12 Offensive Freshman of the Year. The throws that he was making, I mean, it didn't matter if he was, you know, being a part of Mike Leach's air raid system or the run-and-shoot offense with Nick Rolovich. I mean, the dude was just a really good player. And in practice so far, you can kind of see him just get overwhelmed because he's learning a new offense. He's never had to take snaps under center. He's never had to throw to a tight end before. These are all new elements to the offense that he's never really had to adjust to. And he's adjusting to it right now, getting ready for the season, which that's just a few weeks away. So he looks flustered out there at times when he's reading, making his progressions. It it looks a little bit overwhelming to him. And then he makes a mistake where he'll throw a pick or two. But then there will be a play where he's getting out of the pocket and he's got to improvise and do kind of things on his own. And then he makes a play, like we saw today, him throw a great pass to Jacob Cowling down the sideline for a touchdown, and that was after throwing two interceptions. So he's been a little wishy-washy, and I think that we're going to see him better in games. And, you know, this is not new to Arizona. I mean, two quarterbacks that I can think off the top of my head who sucked in practice but were good in games were Nick Foles, who lost the job to Matt Scott in 2009 and then takes over halfway through the season – And then also Khalil Tate, Mm -hmm. who lost a job to Brandon Dawkins, and then it took Brandon Dawkins getting hurt against Colorado for us to realize, oh, shoot, Khalil Tate's actually the real deal. So um, I don't think that Jaden Delora is going to be looking over his shoulder often because Noah Fafita looks pretty good in practice so far, but I think it's going to take a lot for Jed Fish and the staff to make a decision on quarterback if Jaden Delora doesn't appear to be that guy.
0: Well, you mentioned that there and obviously quarterback's a big deal for Arizona this season. We saw what happened last year when they had the transfers, right? You had Gunnar Cruz, you had Jordan McLeod. Cruz started the season, ended up getting benched in the game in the second game. Plummer doesn't do great. McLeod finally gets to play, then he gets hurt. This has to look different, though, right? Because Gunnar Cruz was unproven. He wasn't the Pac-12 freshman of the year. Will Plummer had an, no experience, basically. Jordan McLeod was also very new, and he's limited in terms of his ability, but he just is raw talent. Whereas this competition, like you mentioned, Delora has experience. He's been that dude already. So there's every reason to believe he can be that dude for Arizona. Fafita. Him looking great is is terrific, you know? It might be slightly surprising, but everything you knew about and everything we read about him and heard about him says, yeah, this guy can play. And then you have McLeod being like maybe your third stringer. Like, it has to just have a different feel in terms of, yeah, maybe Delora's struggling a little bit, but there's a different level of confidence that, yeah, he'll get through that, right? Whereas Gunnar Cruz had to show he could do it. Jaden Delora already has just to show he can do it for Arizona. Is that kind of the vibe yeah. where people are like, he will get it?
1: Yes. Oh, yeah, We already know that Jaden Delora's going to get a start. Um, and it's crazy to think that, you know, just last year we were talking about, is it going to be Gunnar Cruz? Is it going to be Will Plummer? Because those two guys emerged over Jordan McCloud. And speaking of being a better game quarterback than a practice quarterback, Jordan McCloud fell so far behind Gunnar Cruz and Will Plummer in practice that he was unquestionably the third string quarterback. And then who ended up becoming the better quarterbacks among the three last season in the times that we've seen them? For that was, game
0: and a half, yeah. It, for
1: that game and a <laughs> half, it was it was Jordan McLeod. Um, and it's crazy to think that, fast forward to a year, the guys who were competing for those starting snaps in Gunnar Cruz and Will Plummer are probably not going to really sniff the field this year. Um, and as an Arizona football fan, you kind of have to be feeling pretty good about that because – I think Will Plummer is a college football quarterback. Is he a power five quarterback? I don't know. Um, I see him thriving in the Mountain West or even like a school like NAU. Uh, Gunnar Cruz just kind of is who he is. I think he just enjoys wearing the baseball cap on the sideline and and being the play caller and just kind of learning from Jed Fish and and the coaching staff. Uh, But the quarterback situation, and this is how I kind of view it, is that Jaden Delore is the unquestionable starter. It's his job to lose. He's going to have to really fumble this opportunity if he's not the quarterback by the end of the season for the Wildcats. Um, And then you have this young, promising quarterback who's the future of the program in Noah Fafita. He's the ringleader of the 2022 recruiting class. He's the guy who recruited T-Mac and Key and Burnett because he was the first domino of the Trinity League guys, and then they all started following him uh, to Tucson. So he's the future. He looks good so far. That's a a promising sign. Um, And then you have Jordan McLeod, who's the veteran quarterback who understands the offense better than Gunnar Cruz and Will Plummer. And I see it like this. If If Jetfish were to ever make a decision on changing quarterback, I think if it's in the middle of a game, let's say Mississippi State game or even North Dakota State game. And Jaden Dolora just is not it. He's not working and you need to make a decision in the middle of the game. I think Jed will turn towards a guy like Jordan McCloud as opposed to a Noah Fafita, but let's say the Wildcats are somehow owen three entering conference play and you have a week to prepare for that game against Cal. Maybe you look to a Noah Fafita where you give him a week to prepare and, and get him ready to go. So um, that's the quarterback situation. That's how I view it. But, uh, it's a good problem to have for Arizona.
2: Yeah, I think, as you mentioned, Justin, I think everyone agrees that that quarterback room has been upgraded talent-wise, but one of those things that can make a quarterback look a lot better is talent catching the ball. And you mentioned a couple of those guys we've talked about, Jacob Cowing. Uh, you mentioned T-Mac and Keon Burnett, but I think there's a handful of other guys. You know, yeah. Kevin Green, there's A.J. Jones, uh, there's Jamari Joyner back from another foot uh, surgery, out back out practicing, can you talk a little, bit, a little bit about what that room looks like and what you've seen on the field so far from the young guys and some of those guys like Joyner that came back from injury?
1: Yeah, people really don't talk about this enough, but Arizona got Kevin Green to flip from USC to mm-hmm. Arizona. They also got Kian Burnett. Now, it's a little different with Kean because his dad played at Arizona. He's a legacy kid, so uh, you, cannot, you can see it from that perspective. But they were able to get Kevin Green, to flip from USC to Arizona, that, that doesn't happen often. And they were able to get T-Mac to flip from Oregon to Arizona. And usually it's uh, the other way around uh, that we've seen in recent years. Uh, but Kevin Green is, is a stud, you know, he's coming in at that, the number two group, but the Wildcats have just no shortage of players and Kevin Green, AJ Jones, uh, you know, even Rashawn Speedy Luke, who's a running back, but can also catch out of the backfield. These are all freshmen, but they've shown us in practice so far that they can play in pinches, and they're going to have fresh legs just constantly uh, coming in and out of the lineup. Uh, So those guys um, have definitely been impressed, but as you guys know, it it doesn't mean a damn thing if Jaden or whoever's playing quarterback doesn't have the protection, and that's going to be the key to Arizona's success this year, if they're going to have any, is can they offensive line can those guys just protect you know they, they, i'm not expecting them to just be a complete wall all season long but don't get poor jaden delora killed don't get noah if he ever gets into the game don't get him killed because you can have all these great wide receivers you can have all these good skill players you can have all of it but it doesn't mean a thing if the offensive line isn't protecting and jordan morgan at that left tackle spot he's going to have to step up big time and he's got the nfl's body he's filled out a year or a year and a half plus with tyler owens and the strength and conditioning program like you see jordan morgan walk and he looks like an nfl offensive tackle when when he first got here he was probably at like 260 and almost looked like a borderline tight end and the weight that he's put on he looks like a beast but jordan morgan's got to be that anchor right there at that left tackle spot um, and then Josh Baker at center, you know, coming off an injury, he missed most of spring ball. Um, he's looking, you know, pretty sharp in practice. And then Josh Donovan and Peyton Fears, you know, some of these guys are all, I mean, actually, as a matter of fact, all of these guys, uh, with the exception of Jonah Savanea, the true freshman who's recruited this past year, and he, and he is amazing um, as an offensive lineman. All of these guys are all from the previous regime. These are all guys that Kevin Sumlin and his staff were able to find but they've been with the program now for a few years. Now that these guys have that experience, can they evolve and actually turn into a very um, in, in imposing offensive line? We'll see that coming up in the fall. I, I,
0: I just can't get past you pronouncing Jonah Savinay his name just so easily, but I guess you probably talked about him quite a bit, so you had to learn that. He's just Big Jonah on our show because I'm not good with the, the name. So Justin Spears here. Credit to you, sir.
1: <laughs> Credit to you. Well, and you look at Arizona's upcoming recruiting class, and you know they're tapping into the the Polynesian pipeline. I hope you boys are ready because <laughs> the Wildcats are about to turn into like uh, another version of Utah and they're going to have Polynesians <laughs> all over the place, and it's going to be so hard. To well, it's just big so and so-and-so,
0: little so-and-so. That's what we do here.
1: We're a first-name basis kind of show. But, Justin, you
0: talk about the offensive line, and of course the offensive line is huge when it comes to protecting the quarterback and all that. But also on offensively, we know a quarterback who makes his reads quickly, gets the ball out on time and on target, can make an offensive line look better. Receivers who can get open quicker can make it easier on that quarterback, and all of a sudden like, it's all in concert together, but then they're all run the plays of the coaching staff you know, calls for them. And I'm warning for Jed Fish in year two where the impression I got last year was it took him some time to understand the talent he had on offense and certainly coach a system that they could pick up. Granted, there's more time in this system for a lot of them, but a lot of them are still new. I wonder from your perspective how much has maybe he adapted to knowing that, okay, these are college kids, that whole NFL playbook is probably too big But also he has more talent than he did last season. So like, what have you seen in terms of Jed Fish and how he's doing things? Because like, if they all get it right, they're all on the same page, the quarterbacks, the line, the receivers, the running backs, the tight ends, and the coaches, this offense could be pretty damn good. But if, you know, the coaching staff doesn't have it right, then it could kind of throw it all off.
1: Yeah. Kevin Cummings, the wide receivers coach, actually said that earlier today. He said last year it was us trying to figure out what we have and understand these guys and their skill set and how we can piece everything together. Now that we've been at it for a year, the guys that we recruited and also the players who still stayed on with the team. Now what we, we know what we have. Um, so now there's, there's a certain expectation and you kind of see that in practice, like coaches are really getting into players. Um, I've seen jet fish really get into his quarterbacks in ways that we didn't see him talk to Gunner or will last year. So now that these guys have been at it for over a year and they've been able to assemble the roster and get all the pieces in place, now it's grooming these guys and getting them ready for the upcoming season. You know, last year, I was I was honest as a football fan, right? As just a football fan, I was disgusted watching that Colorado game where they averaged, it felt like, what, a yard per play? They like had they, that they first and goal from the
0: one yard line and couldn't punch it in.
1: And, and, and couldn't get in the end zone. I mean, and it, and it felt like every single play that they had drawn up, it was just a screen to Stanley Berryhill. Hey, well, we're going to do a quick bubble screen to Stanley and, and see if he can get out into space and, and do something. This year it's going to be completely different. Because now they're going to start to stretch the field, and that's why they got Jacob Cowing. Because when Jacob Cowing was at UTEP, he was averaging like 19 yards a catch. I mean, T-Mac being a – a big wide receiver who's got basketball and volleyball background, he can jump up and get it. Um, so now that they have the pieces in place, they know what they can do. Now they're going to try to accomplish something, and that's really start to push the ball down the field. We're uh, No more of this, you know, two-and-a-half yards, you know, junk. Now the Wildcats are really going to start taking shots downfield and uh, they have the pieces to do it.
2: So, Justin, you talk about the new kind of approach of stretching the field on offense with these new, you know, these new weapons. What about? Uh, there's a new defensive coordinator and a new scheme on the other side of the ball. What are you seeing out there? Uh, you know, Arizona's defense struggled at times, especially you know the safeties in the passing game. Uh, what are you seeing with the new defensive coordinator? You seeing with the new scheme? Uh, how, how's the defense looking?
1: Well, on both sides of the ball, last year for Arizona, they were one of the worst teams in college football in red zone. Um, In red zone, touchdown percentage on defense, one of the worst ones. Red zone, touchdown scoring on offense, one of the worst teams in college football. Like, red zone was just awful last year. And both sides of the ball, ever since training camp has started, they've really emphasized working inside the 20-yard line. Um, But the defense with Johnny Nansen, that new defensive coordinator, you know, he's uh, not Don Brown. (laughs) He's not as – Colorful and as loud as Don Brown, but he's also a guy who knows his stuff and a guy who's been around the conference for many years coaching at USC and and UCLA. So he understands Pac-12 football and what it takes to succeed more so than a guy like Don Brown. So I think, you know, Jet Fish got the ideal defensive coordinator uh, for the University of Arizona. But, you know, one thing that they're trying to do with Johnny Nansen's system is – they're going to have a very fierce front seven. Um, And on the interior defensive tackles, those guys, I mean, they said they were going to rotate up to six guys. Um, And that also includes, you know, guys like Keon bars and and Paris Shan from Toronto. Uh, Then you also have Tia Sevea, who followed Johnny Nansen from UCLA over to Arizona. He's a former four-star recruit and is now coming, coming into a new opportunity uh, where he's going to get some, some serious snaps. So you're going to see a lot of rotation on the interior defensive tackles. Um, on the edge, you have Hunter Echols um, manning that cat spot, which is kind of like a Vaughn Miller type of role where you're a defensive end, but you're also going to be standing up a lot like an outside linebacker. And he did a lot of that at USC. Uh, and then Jalen Harris, of course, on the edge. So you're going to see a lot of times a, a four-man front. But in spring ball, we saw a lot of two linebacker sets. So we would see, you know, Jerry Roberts was hurt. So he wasn't really doing much in the spring, but you would see a Malik Reed uh, lined up with a Dante Smith or Malik Reed lined up with somebody. It was always two linebackers. But recently in training camp, we've seen a lot of three linebacker sets with Ammon Allen, uh, Jerry Roberts, and Malik Reed. And that's been pretty steady uh, for them. And it's looked pretty solid so far. Um, and then on the, the secondary, you're going to have your, your four starters with Christian Rolla Wallace and Traydon Stukes. And, you know, one thing that I, I know the Kevin Sumlin era was very, uh, forgetful and nightmarish for a lot of Arizona fans, but, you know, I, I do have a, do have to give a big credit to their staff for finding two walk-ons who have made impacts on both sides of the ball on offense with Dorian Singer. Uh, they found him. He's emerged as one of Arizona's starting wideouts. And then on defense, they got this guy in Traydon Stukes, who's from Goodyear, played in Millennium, was a track star, and came to Arizona as a walk-on. And I'll never forget sitting in the press box, going back to the 70 to seven Territorial Cup game, <sighs> where I looked at the the roster, and I'm like, man, they're or the guys on defense on the field, like, man, there are a lot of dudes, or I, I don't even know who they are. And I see this defensive back named Stukes, and I'm like, who's, who's this guy, Stukes? Never heard of this. And I'm like, I looked at the roster, and my colleague, Michael Lev, looked over at me and said, are you ready for the trade-on Stooks era, Justin? And, and he was, you know, joking at the time because he was a walk-on, he was a no-name, it was a throwaway season. I thought I was never going to hear trade-on Stukes name, after that game and lo and behold here we are talking about him being a starter and actually a pretty good option at cornerback. Uh, he's a little bit banged up so with him being banged up, Isaiah Rutherford, the Notre Dame transfer um, has stepped in and made some plays and Dwayne Walker said it in practice that at cornerback they kind of view that they have three starters between Traydon Stoops, Christian Rolla Wallace and Isaiah Rutherford and then beyond that of course Ephesians Price Sock and Takaro Davis, those two freshmen, uh, who are built like small forwards. Uh, they have depth, right? It all goes back to depth. Take a drink, Brett. Um, oh,
0: Brett's depth. dead now. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but but the new system, um, you know with, uh, with with Johnny Nansen, uh, it, it's it's looking like it's gonna be pretty solid for for Arizona and the Wildcats on that side of the ball. So far, to me, the defense has outshined the offense in training camp. So that bodes well for, for everyone. I
0: was going to say, that's usually what you would expect, I think, just because defense just it to react more, whereas offense has to get that timing down, and they have so many new pieces. But normally I think we'd finish up with you by asking you know, your thoughts, like you're, if you're optimistic, what do you think? You led with that, so we can't ask you how many games you think they're going to win. But Arizona has a few more weeks left of camp you know, before the season opening against San Diego State. What are you hoping to see over the next little bit? Because obviously if the season started tomorrow – They're probably not in great shape. You know, they're probably not going to win that game. But you know, we people can talk ourselves into them being competitive this year. How does Arizona get from today, we're recording on August 11th, to September 3rd and become a team that can win that game in San Diego?
1: Well, San Diego State—they're traditionally good against Pac-12 teams. I think seven and two since 2016. Uh, So that's going to be a tough game. Um, But if Arizona can figure out you know, to get Jaden Delora to, I guess, process the offense and get it to where he doesn't look as shaky as he is now, then Arizona's going to be in, in, in pretty good shape. And like I said, defense so far, I think has been pretty solid. Um, it's just finding that, that rhythm w- with the offense. And listen, they have a few weeks left. Uh, they can definitely do it. Um, but yeah, if, if I were to, to say how many wins do I think Arizona is going to put up this year, the San Diego State game is a toss-up to me. Um, Braxton Burmeister at quarterback—is uh, he—is he that guy? The like I don't—I don't, I don't think so. It's—it's—it's <laughs> it's, it's weird, but I, I like Arizona in that game against San Diego State. Um, you know, the SEC with Mike Leach and Mississippi State coming in—that's uh, a—a tough game. But Mississippi State—I mean, we're not talking about them being one of the almighty teams of the SEC. So you never know. You honestly—you just don't know. North Dakota State—that is a trap game if I've ever seen one. Um, I don't want to get too much into that game, but, you know, I could see Arizona starting off the season two and one. And if you start off the season two and one, maybe you get a win against Cal, maybe a win against Colorado or, or, or Washington state. I'm, I, I've said this on my radio show, guys. If Arizona has five wins going into that territorial cup game, Wildcats are going bowling. Cause I think they're going to beat ASU this year. Agreed. They're going to beat ASU this year. Seventy
0: one to seven or seventy to six. <laughs> Make it happen.
1: Um But yeah, they got a lot lot of improvement. So they, they there's a lot of room for improvement going into the, the season opener, but they got three weeks to do it. So let's get to it.
0: All right, that's Justin Spears. Justin Esports on Twitter, Tucson Star, the Wildcaster, Spears and L E. Before we let you go, anything you want to plug? What should people be tuning in or logging in or I, you have so many different mediums that people can find your stuff. So I don't even know what t- word to use.
1: Yeah. So my colleague and I, Michael Lev, um, you know, we, we love covering Arizona football. So check us out on Tucson.com. Uh, and if you don't want to subscribe to the Arizona daily star, you can uh, download the free wildcaster app off the app store and Google play and check us out there. And then also uh, be sure to uh, check out Spears and Ali podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts
0: there you go so that's justin spears we'll have you back sometime thanks for your time today though on wildcat radio 2.0 good to talk with you
1: how about that death, huh (laughs)
0: brett's already dead but we come back hopefully we can revive him because we have some more football to talk about i'm fine we're back thanks again to justin spears for that conversation because brett you know he's fun. he's just a delight to talk with (laughs) he's really fun big fan of justin he is, except for he's clearly trying to get me drunk with all that depth talk. Yeah, he's trying to kill you. And, like, you're alive. This is good, by the way. Brett, Brett lives. Um, but, no, Justin also does a great job. He covers the team, and he's just around. And it's great to get that perspective because, you know, I the thing I asked him, like, I was curious of how different things are this season, right? Because we went to last year, and you're like, okay, new coaching staff, not a whole new roster necessarily, but, you know, some optimism. It's different this year. Like you said, Like the players look like they belong on a Pac-12 field. They look like the type of athletes that can win games at this level. And even the quarterbacks, he mentioned how Jaden Delora hasn't been amazing, but there's no reason to think he won't get to being where he needs to. right? Like Last year, you didn't know if Gunnar Cruz could do it. You didn't know if Jordan McLeod could do it. You didn't know if Will Plummer could do it. Well, you kind of know that Delora can. The question is, how long will it take to get him there? And then seeing what Fafita's doing... That's great too. <laughs> like you can never have too many good quarterback options. Like we saw last season Arizona needed all of them. So and you then can never some. have too many guys who can <laughs> you can count on to play a game, to go in for a series, to go in for whatever the case may be. And if Noah Favita is a guy waiting in the wings, great. <laughs> like there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, let's let's
2: not forget that last year's only win, last the last two seasons only win, Arizona uh, at quarterback saw snaps from one of their starting wide receivers and a walk-on in that one win they've had in two years. Right. So it's a, it's a different place for, for where that room is at. The talent level is just dramatically upgraded. Um, You know, we'll see if anybody transfers out. Will Plummer's, you know, recovering from, I think, shoulder surgery. So, but if you're, if you're getting down to uh, a Will Plummer on this depth chart, it's a different thing. You know, I actually feel
0: better about Will Plummer this year too, just because I liked how he played last season. He got better. He feel, developed quite a bit. Yeah. yeah, he was he was serviceable, and with the talent around him being maybe improved, maybe he could, you know, be even more success. I'm not saying I want him to get to Will Plumber, but I feel much better about that depth.
2: Uh, now now you're <laughs> joining it. No, well if, if we get if we get to the point where an injured, recovering from shoulder surgery, Will Plummer has to play this year, then we're really
0: in trouble. But no, I I think I you think know injured Will Plummer was kind of his like his mode of being quarterback last season. I don't know if he was well, healthy the entire season. <sighs> yeah, fair
2: point. Now, I, you know, I'm I'm curious to see what happens in the next couple of weeks in camp with Jaden Delorix. I think Justin's right. I think it's it's his job, oh, like, yeah. really to transfer, lose. They didn't bring him in here to sit on the bench. like You know, and, and he's a guy that is coming from the run-and-shoot into a different system. We don't know exactly how much has changed or has not changed. You know, you, t- you asked Justin about, like, where sometimes last year the play calling was you know, had to be pared down for not the talent level. You know, maybe there's a little bit more of that talent level. Maybe Jed Fish wants to expand a little bit, but maybe he's still going to try to tailor it a bit more to his players. Um, You know, it seems like Jaden Delora thrives when flushed from the pocket, which might actually make him more of a gamer because Arizona's offensive line might make him flush from the pocket more than we would like. (laughs) So really, that's just a strategy of rope-a-dope to get the 60-yard bombs to... TMAC or Jacob Cowing down the sideline, maybe, sure. but, you know, top to bottom Arizona's quarterback room looks like a legitimate power five, you know, I'm not going to say a contender, but a, a like a contender in an, any a competitive team, right? Um, top to bottom one through, you know, at least four or five, like that's a competent quarterback room and with, with some youth and some upside there. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, that's the quarterback. Brett, we've teased our depth chart previews. Enough, I think. We could probably get to some. Let's we'll stay on the offensive side of the ball because you mentioned quarterback room has some good depth. We'll get to that later, right? Let's talk about the guys that they'll be handing the ball to and throwing it to. Let's start with the running backs where it feels like there's a lot of depth there, a lot of depth, at running back, but also a lot of question marks. Right? Like Michael Wiley, I think is a presumed starter. He was the guy last. He didn't really take charge. He didn't take hold of that job. Decent player, though. But then you have Drake Anderson, Rayshon, Speedy Luke, Jalen John, Stevie Rocker, Jonah Coleman, DJ Williams, a transfer, right? <laughs> like, there's so many players here who could conceivably get the ball out of the backfield where like we're going to go. It's a good depth. Like, I like the depth there. Is there going to be a guy who's going to get 15 carries in that group? Probably not, which is why, you know, Michael Riley's probably the first guy. I would imagine Speedy Luke's going to get some touches. You know, Drake Anderson is solid. I I I don't know how this breaks down other than probably one guy gets ten, another guy gets six, another guy gets four or five, and they kind of ride the hot hand. Yeah, I'm I'm looking at all the guys. You know, Rocker, Anderson, Wiley,
2: DJ Williams, Jonah, Jonah Coleman, Jalen John. I don't even think you mentioned the who showed some promise. Um, Speedy Luke. Like, it, it, there's not there's not enough uh, running plays to go around, especially when you know not to jump ahead to the receiving room. But there's going to be other guys that will ball as well. Um, I think. I think you're right that Wiley I think is kind of default number one Um, at least right now you know by the end of the season I think that the depth chart might look fundamentally different Mm -hmm. with some of the guys like Jonah Coleman you know DJ Williams you know has the pedigree has some decent experience you know there's some talk that maybe he showed up to camp not in the shape the coaching staff would have desired Uh, and maybe learning the system maybe he see less of him at the beginning of the year maybe more towards the end you know I think everybody's is is big on little jonah if you will um you know and i one of the guys that i think is most you know intriguing or almost forgotten is stevie rocker because i think he was pretty good last year as a freshman he he showed flashes especially as a true freshman right like it's hard to play as a true freshman and he didn't you know he's not built like a bowling ball like jonah coleman is right Mm -hmm. uh he has a little bit more a little bit more length Uh, a little bit you know it's just a different kind of athleticism look that he has so i'm really curious to see how physically different he looks and kind of how much he's able to contribute and then of course i mean speedy luke i don't think it matters what a depth chart says that guy's going to probably get five to seven design touches a game and if not then what are you what are you doing jed fish call some better plays Mm -hmm. um you know he's a guy that like in that in that um the high school all American game was the MVP, and just took a couple to the house. Just, you know, he's he's not going to get caught from behind if you get him the ball in space. Uh, you know, and teams are going to have to plan around him when he's on the field, even if you use him as a decoy uh, in in the plays that he's not getting the touches. But, you know, top to bottom, if Michael Wiley is your kind of like default answer, he's not a bad option. But I think no. there's also guys that may supplant him. And for for good reasons, and not necessarily any derogatory thing towards Michael Wiley.
0: Well, it's going to be, I think, depend on game flow. Number one, like if Arizona's up in a game in the fourth quarter, they're going to get a lot more running back touches. You know, like if you're not playing from behind, then you can go to someone like a Michael Wiley or a DJ Williams, who's one of those those bigger backs who maybe kind of wear down a defense. Where then you bring in a speedy Luke to pop one or to run some different things. Like there's so many options, and you know we don't even we've never even seen DJ Williams. He just has the pedigree. Right, like and Stevie Rocker, a year older, a year stronger. Drake Anderson, I liked him last year. <laughs> you know, he wasn't a bad player either. He had some quickness, had some burst, and had some strength going between the tackles. So it's it's easy to say I think Wiley is the default starter, but I'm not sure if starter really matters with this group. You know, it probably won't. They're gonna, re- I would imagine, they're gonna rotate guys in. Like there's the hot hand, there's just the game flow that what you need at the time. There's certain guys like they're gonna start to separate themselves into who is best at what. Like Wiley's a pretty good all around back. Decent receiver out of the backfield. He's big. He's got some speed. Williams, I think he sounds more like the strength guy, kind of between the tackles player, especially if he's not quite in the shape that, you know, his ideal playing weight. Jonah Coleman's that bowling ball. Speedy Luke is fast, right? They don't call him speedy for nothing. Rocker seems to be kind of like a good mix of a lot of things. He's not a small guy. He's not a burner. He's just good at all of it and can catch the ball at the backfield. Drake Anderson, kind of the same. So, you know, there is a depth chart. There is a pecking order. But I'm not sure we can figure out what it is right now. And I'm not sure it's going to be the same game to game, but it's good to have that many options, I guess is what I'm going to get to.
2: Yeah. I almost wonder if this group with its depth is there's, there's maybe not star power, but the collective skill set makes the group maybe a little bit better than the sum of its parts, but the sum of its parts is pretty serviceable as a room, if that makes sense. Is that, a, is that a fair framing in
0: your, in your mind? I know what you're saying, if that helps.
2: <laughs> I, I, I was good because I wasn't sure I knew what I was saying. <laughs> <laughs>
0: but maybe um, it is possible that one of these guys just takes charge, you know, maybe with so. better quarterback play, the offensive line plays. Well, I would see the receivers that we're going to get to next. You know, there's enough out there where it's easier for a running back. There's more, the holes are wider potentially, and they can run it. Like when you can run with it, it's, diff, it's easier to run with a lead too. So maybe Arizona's being a better team. It happens. Maybe Michael Wiley can show, like when Gary Brightwell a couple years ago, he finally got to be the guy, and he was pretty dang good. You know, same thing with J.J. Taylor. Before that, I like it's possible one of these guys is the hot hand every game where someone like a Wiley or a D.J. Williams or a Jonah Coleman comes in or even like I I don't know if Rayshon Luke's the type of guy who can get 10 to 15 touches, but or maybe Stevie Rocker. You know, like it could happen. These guys, all these guys have enough talent to emerge as the guy for them. But I wouldn't expect it in week one. I wouldn't expect them to have that type of mentality. I would think it's more of like a three or four, maybe five guys get touches. Who gets the most really just depends on the game flow and how they're playing. I think
2: that's right. And that's kind of what you need in modern college football. You need, Especially in a position that's going to you know, take a lot of hits at running back. You need yeah. that depth. You need that versatility.
0: And I'm curious to see how they perform. All right, let's get to the receiver group next. Brett, yeah. That's when a lot of people are... <laughs> understandably excited. You got T-Mac, you got Jacob Cowing, who are two starters. That's already been determined. Dorian Singer looks like another starter. And again, I, we say starters, how many receivers are going to be on the field at a given time, right? I would think T-Mac, Cowing, Singer, Jamari Joyner are going to be the bulk of the snaps, especially once Joyner gets healthy and gets back in there because we, it's easy to forget how talented he is and how much of a force he is as a receiver. He's got size, he's got speed, he's got strength. But then you have Kevin Green. Who Justin mentioned, like people are mentioning, having a really good camp, you know. Anthony Simpson has speed. AJ Jones is big, and we're not even talking about the tight ends. And I don't know if we put them in this group or not, but there seem to be a lot of options. Similar, like you can play three or four receivers at a time, even five if you want. You're not often going to have two running backs on the field. So in terms of snap counts, a lot of these guys are going to be out there. But there's only one football to go around. But similar to running back, this is a good problem to have. Only not similar to running back. There's legit star power in this group.
2: Yeah. First off, I'd like to you know encourage people to go back when we talked about the recruiting class. I think somebody asked what was the, a low key steal, and I I was on the Kevin Green train uh, a long time ago. I'm a Kevin Green hipster, I guess is what I'm saying. Um, but yeah, I mean, talk about you know star. If we're if we're talking about the running backs being maybe better than the sum of their parts with the depth and combination of skill sets, and not a lot of star power. I think the receiving room is has has that, but also has the star
0: power. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, I mean, it's got to be the best position group on the roster, right? I would think so. It's the most proven. I, I mean, because even like Jacob Cowing is proven. We know what Joyner can do. We saw Dorian Singer like. There's enough there, guy. You can count on these. And even T Mac, okay, I can live with that. <laughs> like without knowing what he can do as a college football player, I'm confident he'll be pretty good. Well, and and look at
2: the guys that we're not even talking about much that probably will see some snaps, but we don't. You know, I, I don't expect a ton from them. Guys like AJ Jones and Anthony Simpson. Yeah, in years past. Those guys would be like like AJ Jones in a year that we don't get T Mac. We'd be like, hey, we got a star wide receiver a coming up receiver as a true freshman. A receiver who can play. Yeah, yeah, and like in Anthony Simpson, who might be one of the most athletic guys on the roster, right? And he's gotten some decent experience. Yeah, got a little run last year. And if and if you want to throw Speedy Luke in as kind of a receiver at times too, it's like you know, again, there's going to be a lot of mouths to feed. But but boy, you can see. You know, not just the, the talent level and the depth, but you can also see, like you mentioned the pecking order, like you can see who's the successor at each of these positions even, or if somebody takes a snap off and it doesn't fall off that much, like, you know, Jacob Cowing is going to get backed up probably by Kevin Green, right? Or maybe Speedy Luke, like Jacob Cowing's awesome. And there's, there should be a big drop off there for most Arizona rosters in the past few years. And, you know, I don't think there is. You know, Anthony Simpson to Dorian Singer or Jamari Joyner to Dorian Singer. I don't think there's not much of a drop off there or even A.J. Jones to T-Mac. A.J. Jones is is big and talented. You know, he's maybe a little lanky. Um, you know, it's, it's going to be curious to see uh, with with the new quarterback and these guys and they're going to. I'm curious to know, especially in the early games, if they're going to really try to establish stretching the field then that's a different thing, especially for young guys and a new quarterback that don't have a lot of um, experience working together other than in camp to see how well that meshes because boy if 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 that kind of relationship works between Jaden Delora or whoever's passing the ball and these receivers, especially for those deep passes, works well. It really opens up a lot of things for the, the offense in general. Um but yeah I, I I'm not gonna lie Adam the, the wide receiver room has me has me pretty hyped.
0: Yeah well one thing I like is the size. And just a varied skill set, because you have someone like Cowling who's fast, Kevin Green is fast, Simpson is fast. Then you got the big guys, T-Max, Singer, A.J. Jones, Jamari Joyner is kind of like a combination of all of that. When you're down in the red zone, which has been, a, we've read about it, we've heard about it, one of the strongest emphasis in campus because of they were terrible in the red zone last year. But well, when you have big targets like this, when you're not having to throw short of the end zone and hope that they can get in, when you can throw it into the end zone, you have one, a quarterback in Delore or Fafita or whoever it is who's willing to take that chance because you have a 6'4 T-Mac. You know, like that, that matters. That helps. Uh, A.J. Jones, another big receiver. I think he's, what, 6'3"? three? 6'4". You know, 6'4". Like when you have players like that in that part of the field, it makes it a lot easier to throw the ball up to them. To say, I'm going to give it, I got one-on-one coverage there. I'm going to give it, you know, those back shoulder fades that people do. Other teams do. Have done. You know, those are football plays that help in that part of the field because maybe uh, Kevin Green isn't the guy from between the 20, you know, 20 in the goal line in the red zone. But between the 20s, the middle of the field, yeah. Like that speed is huge. But when you have a T-Mac, you have a Dorian Singer, you have an A.J. Jones, you have a joiner. And I know Cowing, he's not the big guy, but he's kind of like a Barry Hill. He can get open even with the shorter mm-hmm. field, like they should be better. Like There is star power. And like I mentioned to Justin, too, when it comes to the quarterbacks in the offensive line, these receivers are the type that should be able to get open, and if they're not, they don't necessarily need two steps on the defensive back to be open with the wingspan and the catch rate of so a guy like T-Mac has or Cowing or Joyner or Singer. So the quarterbacks should be able to get the ball out sooner because, yeah, they may not be three steps beyond the cornerback or whatever, they're still open. They'll still make a plan that ball is not going to be picked. So having that kind of talent will hopefully give that kind of confidence to the quarterbacks where it's just all going to look better. You know, It's not going to be any one thing. It's just going to be, okay, how many teams have two good cornerbacks? How many have three? You Is know, a safety going to up on Cowing in the slot? Is a linebacker going to up on him? If you have a quarterback who could take advantage of that, oh, boy, Arizona's going to put up <laughs> some points.
2: Yeah, I'm curious to know your, your answer to this, Adam. In in the ranking, the receiver rooms in the Pac-12, where do you put this
0: receiver room? Yeah, I don't know everybody else's. <laughs> that's a fun—I can't answer that question. I don't know the context of the rest of the conference. I, I don't know. <laughs> I, 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 what I can tell you, though, with Arizona—I mean, it's, it's also kind of tough because we haven't seen the quarterback play be great yet. Like, if you yeah. assume Jaden Delora is going to be fine, then you look at this receiver group and there's no weakness— and to your point, there's guys like if Cowling is hurt, you feel like a Kevin Green can slide in there, and he's not going to be the same level of player. But then, okay, you have Joyner, you have T-Mac, you have Singer. There's so many options to where defenses are going to have to shift their focus somewhere, and they can't cover all of them. They can't double. They can't have safety help over the top of all these receivers. So that's where it's up to the quarterbacks, want to be effective. And then Jed Fish and that coaching staff to game plan and scheme away for someone's going to be open every time. Make sure you find them. And I don't know the last time Arizona had a receiver room like this. You know, Stanley Berryhill was great last season, almost on necessity. They had no one else to throw the ball to for large portions of the season. Joyner was not, you know, he had to play quarterback. <laughs> and Dorian Singer <laughs> didn't come on until late in the season. Once Singer got going, the offense started to look a little better. Sure, they had another weapon, a big receiver who could get down the field. Like, those things matter. Now, if Arizona has five of those guys, then I would expect things to be much different. So, like, where they rank in the Pac-12, I don't know everyone else's, but I would – Venture to say that I would put Arizona's receiver group, you know, one through five, one through six, from this season and for the next couple, up against pretty much everyone's.
2: Yeah, just imagine if Jalen Johnson and Majon Wright were still in that room too.
0: I, they left. Where would where would they fit? Like I there is that, only one think, football. They can't yeah. all play and get you know. I think
2: that's. Yeah, I think that's why they left, Adam. And like, that, like that, you that look at shows that you how
0: good that receiver room is. Right? Majion Wright, who we obviously didn't play last season because he transferred, came back. But we saw him a couple of years ago, and he looked like he could be a potential NFL player. And who knows what went on there. He has the size. He has the speed he had the hands. And he's like, I'm not going to find any snaps here. I'm not going to get the ball if I stick around. Like, that's a good sign.
2: Yeah, it's I, I very, very much think I like Majion Wright. I liked him a yeah. lot. But Rijon Wright is now registered to vote in the transfer portal permanently. Um <laughs> you know, yeah, it's it's and it we haven't even actually even talked about some of the you know, we talked about Speedy Luke being able to line up in the receiving room, but what about a guy like Keon Burnett? Are we gonna it's, go to the tight ends now? To let's, you want to Fold him into this just, one? Let's just fold him into that because I think Keon right, Burnett. We're, there, we're is doing a, it. I think Keon Burnett is a good transition to that, right? Like I think Keon Burnett's gonna line up as a as a big mismatch slot. Right. Mm-hmm. If you put cowing, if you, if you go, you know, ostensibly four wides, but one of those guys is a, a, a split wide Keon Burnett, like, yeah. Who who are you going to cover with cowing in one slot and Keon Burnett on the other side, or put them side by side and run some, you know, intelligent route trees yeah. uh, with, with, with T-Mac on the outside and, you know, a, another, you know, a running back that, that we just talked about in the backfield. um. You know, it's it's going to be an interesting thing to see. Plus, Alex Lines, the, you know, the other guy that's like a more big traditional target. tight end. He's a good blocker. He caught some passes last year, a big target. He looked pretty good. Um, you know, it's and, and supposedly in in camp, there sounds like they're throwing to the tight ends, you know, more than than before. And if it doesn't happen this year with Keon Burnett and Alex Lines, you know, let's let's hear the pods from the last couple of years. We mm-hmm. say this every spring. It's wish-casting a little bit, but. You know, when you get to the red zone, I think it's going to be T-Mac and Keon Burnett time. And, and, and I'm excited her, to watch that.
0: And oh. Cowing and Singer. <laughs> and, 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 and that, I, yeah, you mentioned the title. Go, Keon Burnett, seems he's a type of weapon, four-star guy. He looks like a tight end where he's not necessarily the blocking guy, but I know he's been working on his blocking. But he's that big. He's like a Rob Gronkowski type. Not He's not as big as Gronk. But a, the guy's a tight end, but he's basically a receiver. Just a giant receiver who's going to punish. He'll punish cornerbacks. He'll outrun linebackers. You know these are mismatches all at the skill positions that Arizona potentially has. And granted, like USC has good players, right? (laughs) You know Utah has good players. So it's not going to be like Arizona's going to walk in like, yep, they're exponentially more talented than their opponents. But there's enough weapons in this passing game and in the backfield running game where it's like, yeah, they can play. You know, Speedy Luke has Pac-12 speed. Jacob Cowling is, can obviously play at this level. T-Mac was going to go to Oregon for a reason. You know, Kevin Green was going to USC for a reason. These are high-level athletes that Arizona has at positions where when you have high-level athletes, it helps. <laughs> you know, when guys who can actually get open. Uh, hot take. <laughs> like guys who can get open. How many times would we watch last season where it's like, well, they're not getting rid of the ball. Well, who are they going to throw it to? Yeah, they'd show like the All-22 or the, the sky cam. And you're like, yeah, there's no one open. And... Sometimes when they're not open, you have to throw them open. Like sometimes, hey, just make trust a receiver to make a play. I would imagine Jaden Delore and Fafita and McLeod and whoever's at quarterback will trust these guys to make plays. And that's part of the thing in the red zone. It's a tighter spot. They're not going to be wide open. No one can be wide open unless there's blown coverages. Where actually, you figure these many, this many weapons, there might be. But right. it's just it's easy to get excited about the skill guys, and then you go. Well, as long as the quarterbacks are okay and the offensive line's okay, right? And like we talked with Justin, they all go together. But I'd have to think that the quarterback is proven to be effective, right? We know Jay and Delora mm-hmm. can play. The offensive line, if nothing else is experienced, and with a better quarterback and with receivers who can get open quicker, the offensive line's going to look a lot better too. Now, at which point it's up to Jed Fish to scheme. Like, if he can't scheme this offense to being not just competent but pretty good, then something went wrong.
2: Yeah, I think that's right uh, for a supposed offensive mastermind and head coach that's a play caller. Um, I think, you know, not just scheming, I think a very a very early tell for this roster and this, the skill positions we've talked about um, will be red zone efficiency, right? You know, I think there's going to be more chances for big plays with the, with the talent we talked about, with the speed on the outside and, and with Speedy Luke, wherever he's going to line up on the field. But, you know, between TMAC, Keon Burnett, uh, Damari Joyner, healthy, AJ Jones, even as a, as a potential, you know, tall target, if the, the woes of last year was clearly what Jed Fish and the staff wanted to, to, to get away from in the red zone. And, you know, if, if the, if they struggles continue early this year, then that's, then that's going to be a big red flag. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's, it's new talent, it's young talent, but that's going to be a big red flag, but you know, as, as Justin, I think said, there's there's going to be no excuses from the talent level perspective anymore. It'll just no. be
0: maybe some experience. Yeah. And that you could tell when it's experience, A guy turns the wrong way, lines up wrong, runs mm-hmm. the wrong route that, that happens. But the size and the skill is there for the skill positions, running backs, receivers, tight ends to be effective, to be the type of players who, yeah, Arizona should be a much better offensive team this season. Like we can put it that way. Um, Brad, I think that'll do it for our position breakdowns, our depth chart breakdown. We're still like three weeks away from the season. We've got to get to the offensive line. We've got to get to the defensive side of the ball. We'll take care of all that over the next couple of weeks. Of course, we'll try to bring on more guests who, are, who can talk Arizona football with us because it's just fun. You know, this is an exciting time. Arizona, the last two people we've talked to, Justin McAleese and Justin Spears, I guess it's all the Justins now. We're getting them out of the way. But there is legitimate reason for optimism, if not reason to predict greatness. You know, and for Arizona, when you're coming off a one-win season, four wins sounds amazing because it is. And it's not unrealistic to think that they could get there, especially, you know, we just talked about two position groups that are like, well, three that are like, yeah, those are pac up level. Those are good, high-quality positions on this team that have depth to where it's not – they're not one injury away from just falling apart, where that was always – you know, that wasn't
2: necessarily the case in previous seasons. or. Or last season with the quarterback room, it was falling apart and then had like four
0: injuries, and yeah. it really fell apart. So we'll get to those more position previews over the coming weeks. Of course, like I said, more guests will have to talk Arizona football. Everyone, thank you for listening. Make sure you're finding us on iTunes. If you find us on iTunes, subscribe, leave us a review. We would appreciate that. If you use Spotify, don't worry, you can subscribe there too. All good. We'll take it. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Wildcat Radio A Z as always. If you have any questions for us or you just want us to talk about something on the show, tweet to us. Like we'll we'll try to get to it, you know. Um uh, but otherwise we appreciate you listening. We'll catch you next week.
1: And until then, remember to bear down. Bear down.